Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, in case you didn't get it by both the title of this podcast and the intro music we just did, we're fucking talking about Wayne's World. (laughs) Party on. Party time. Excellent. Excellent. I was so surprised to hear that Scott had never seen this movie. Yeah, Mike Myers and me are kind of like hit and miss. I like most of Austin Powers. But then you got like Cat in the Hat and Love Guru and... Right. Right. (laughs) But this was Mike Myers' first ever movie role. So without this movie... Think about it, Scott. We wouldn't even have Austin Powers or the Love Guru. <laughs> He's given us a gift. <laughs> and a curse. Yes. But this movie used to be on Comedy Central all the time. I used to watch it all the time. I hadn't seen it in a long time. So watching it again for the show, it was like a little shot of nostalgia right in my ass. And it was it was nice. It was funny because we actually found this one at Target the other day in a dual pack with its sequel. Yes, which, I mean, we were planning on watching this anyway, and we were probably just going to, like, rent it on Amazon or something. But we were in Target, and I saw it for, like, $5 with Wayne's World 2. I was like, fuck it, let's just get it, and that way we'll we'll have it forever. (laughs) There are parts that I, I feel like haven't aged necessarily, not, like, aged poorly, like they're bad, but they're, like, the humor isn't, as strong as it probably was when the movie came out. A lot of the movie also, it kind of holds its hat on being awkward. So it's haha, it's funny because it's awkward. And like some of that lands, but some of it is just genuinely awkward and weird. <laughs> but for the most part, it's funny. Now let me give you some background here on this movie. Because... This is one of the many, 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 many movies that have come out over the years that are based on SNL characters. This is the second film of that type. The first being The Blues Brothers. Okay, yeah. No fucking way. So this is when we were still doing okay in that area. (laughs) Yeah. There have been not so good SNL character movies since then, but we don't have to talk about that. The two main characters that make up Wayne's world are played by Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. And they were on SNL from the 80s to the mid 90s. They had this recurring sketch called Wayne's world. And it revolved around a public access show in Aurora, Illinois, in Wayne's parents' basement. And Wayne and Garth, the two hosts of the show, are metalheads. They just get up to general hijinks. And that's the sketch. And it's it was a funny bit, obviously. Funny enough to warrant a movie being made about them. This past year at the Super Bowl, they had their own little Super Bowl ad for Uber Eats, which for some reason also featured Cardi B. Don't ask me why. I don't know. Cardi B's cool. Cardi B would definitely go to a random guy's basement in Aurora, Illinois. She yeah, totally would. Sure. It was directed by Penelope Spheris, who directed such movies as Beverly Hillbillies and the Little Rascals movie. 
okay. <laughs> uh, we, we're actually watching a little bit of behind the scenes. She had also done some documentaries on metal music. Yes, which is why she was picked for this particular project. But the film was written by Bonnie and Terry Turner, who are uh, a married couple who are also SNL writers. They wrote the Coneheads movie, the Brady Bunch movie, Tommy Boy... They also are the creators behind Third Rock from the Sun and That 70s Show. Hey, there we so go. So there, there's some talent there for sure. And then also Mike Myers is a credited writer on the script. So we're, we're in good shape. Considering that the Wayne's World bit and the character of Wayne Campbell was created by Mike Myers as a kid and it's like his baby, it makes sense that he's a part of the writing process. Yeah, and then you have Garth, Dana Carvey, who after this basically became Mike Myers' second banana. But like we were saying, this is around the time when the SNL movie, it still had a good connotation. Now if you see like a SNL movie is coming out, which by the way, there hasn't been one I don't think since like MacGruber. Yeah, I think MacGruber <laughs> was the last one. I think that kind of killed it. Well, there are a lot of people who defend MacGruber. I've never seen it, so I have I, no I've idea. i never either. That character came way after I stopped watching SNL. Yeah, same. I have no context of like if it's actually worth watching. Well, I, I don't know about that, but I do know that Wayne's World is the only SNL movie to date that has made over $100 million, which I guess explains why they made a sequel. The budget was $20 million and the worldwide gross was $183 million. <laughs> Really? The budget was $20 million? Yeah. That's insane. Just to think about it, because like, you, you have Wayne's Basement, you have the TV studio, I guess you have the... But you have to license all that music. They have yeah, a lot no, of great... music, yeah. They have a lot of great music in That's this. That's probably what cost the most. So that, that yeah, that might have been what really did them in. But Scott, overall, before we get into the nitty gritty, what did you think of this movie? I liked it. It, it. It's definitely a goofy movie. This is not one of those movies that you go in and you like, yeah, I'm going to think about this movie for the next 20 years. It's, it's deep. It's impact. It's not that movie. You just got to sit back and just enjoy the stupidity of it. Yeah, definitely. So are we ready to get right into the nitty and the gritty? Yeah, let's get into the nitty gritty. So we begin with... Rob Lowe laying in bed with a beautiful woman, which I'm sure has happened hundreds of times in real life. So why not just immortalize it on camera? Rob Lowe, God, that man's had an interesting fucking career. He really has, but he I feel like he's such a good sport with stuff like this. Like You look at him and you look at most of his filmography and you think that he really doesn't have comedic chops, but he does. If you've never seen the show Parks and Rec, he's on that show and he's hilarious. When you have guys like Mike Myers or when he does fucking Tommy Boy, you have these bigger than life fucking personalities. You can't match them on their level. 
Right, and seeing as how you brought up Tommy Boy, it's hilarious because I feel like his character in this movie and his character in Tommy Boy just completely like mesh together, like they overlap. Like when he was in the bed with the lady, I was like, oh, I thought he was with Bo Derek in this movie, and then I remembered, oh wait, no, that's Tommy Boy. Ding ding ding. <laughs> They're basically the same fucking person, but in this movie, he plays our villain named Benjamin, and he is essentially this wormy squirmy fucking tv producer guy and he's sitting in bed with this beautiful woman and the beautiful woman is flipping through the channels on the tv and this part was hilarious because as she's flipping through the channel she's going through all these like 90s commercials and it's so very 90s like we get a chia pet commercial oh my god and a a clapper commercial and i was like hysterical clap on clap off Clap on, clap on, the clapper. Just can't get it out of my head. At the time, this was probably very relevant, but now it's very time capsule of 90s-ness. When was the last time you even saw a Chia Pet? They have Chia Pets at fucking 7-Eleven. They just, they they sell them. It's just now it's like political. Like I've seen a Donald Trump Chia Pet. (laughs) I haven't seen a Chia Pet commercial like, I haven't heard the Chia Pet song. Chia. Yeah, I haven't heard that probably in, like, 10 years at least. <laughs> but after she flips through some 90s cheese, we get to the Wayne's World Public Access Show, hosted by Wayne Campbell, played by Mike Myers, and Garth Algar, played by Dana Carvey. Uh, both of whom, by the way, we have had on shoot the flick before mike myers we talked about with so i married an axe murderer that's true which is one of his i feel like lesser known comedy joints but it's really good and then of course dana carvey we talked about (laughs) master of disguise which is just a classic oh pistachio both of those episodes feel free to check out but this duo did win an MTV Movie Award for Best On-Screen Duo. And I think appropriately so, because they they do have a, a great comedic chemistry, these two. Wayne and Garth's friendship in the movie is really the, the crux of the flick. They are a fun duo to watch, but they're not like the best duo I've ever seen in the comedy, you know? Hell, just, again, bringing up Tommy Boy, Chris Farley and David Spade, I think, are a better duo than Wayne and Garth. Well, I think they're just different because David Spade and Chris Farley have that, like, oh, I'm the straight man and I'm sarcastic and Chris Farley is just wacky and crazy. Wayne and Garth, there's really no straight man in that duo. There's just They're both just different levels of weird silly and crazy i guess that's true i guess i guess wayne is more of the straight man than garth because garth is just all silly and weird well i think because garth kind of idolizes wayne right garth is definitely the quote-unquote sidekick but they're they're doing their show being generally silly and wacky what i like about wayne and garth is that While they do have, like, silliness and wackiness throughout, there are distinct characters. Like, they're both silly, metalhead, wacky dudes, but Wayne is kind of, like, the leader. 
he's always breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera and kind of leading the audience through the movie. But then we have Garth, who is more timid and awkward, but he only really comes out of his shell when he's around Wayne. So they have their own distinct characters, but they also have their dynamic together. Yeah, and it's funny because there are times when Garth breaks the fourth wall, and it's kind of like he, he has a parallel wisdom, and then he goes right back to being like awkward, weird. But we get Wayne breaking the fourth wall, as I said, talking to the camera, basically introducing himself and Garth. As host of this cable access show, Wayne lives with his parents. They really don't have any ambition. They're just kind of living their lives. And Wayne's like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do the Wayne's World show for real? (laughs) Wouldn't that be crazy? After that, we go right into the most iconic scene of the movie. The scene that everybody fucking knows about. Wayne and Garth pile into their car with their friends who are also their TV crew and they proceed to drive around town lip syncing to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, this is a scene we've all seen. It it is funny. It is a funny scene. It's one of the funniest moments in the movie. We we get the the crazy headbanging part at the the crux of the song. Oh, yeah. Uh, They pick up a guy who... They force into the car. He's like, please let me go. Mamma mia, mamma mia. Mamma mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me. For me. For me. Well, fun fact here, okay. The studio wanted to do a Guns N' Roses song originally but mike myers fought for bohemian rhapsody to be used instead even threatening to quit the production if they didn't use bohemian rhapsody and this movie was credited with reviving the mainstream popularity of queen in the united states after the movie was released bohemian rhapsody became a bigger hit than it was the first time around in the states it became number two on the charts as opposed to number nine when it first came out. And that led him to being in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, maybe that's why they put him in it, because they're like, you know, you, you brought it back to the States. Let's give you a little cameo or whatever in that movie. Yeah, exactly. The soundtrack for this movie is pretty boss in general. Like, we're going to get to some more musical moments, but the entire soundtrack for Wayne's World reached number one on the Billboard charts and was certified double platinum in 1997. I love all the music in this. I forgot how good the music is. Yeah, it it sounded like it came right off my Spotify playlist. So after the iconic Bohemian Rhapsody scene, we get Wayne, Garth, and the crew going to the local donut shop. And the owner of the local donut shop is named Glenn, and he's played by Ed O'Neill from Modern Family and Married with Children and a whole bunch of other things. And I forgot he was in this movie, and he has a recurring bit where where he kind of like steals the fourth wall camera from Wayne, and he starts talking about how he wants to murder people. And it's just like this random like side plot throughout the movie. I think he killed a guy. Yeah. Ed O'Neill killed a guy. <laughs> yeah. I could see Ed O'Neill killing a guy. <laughs> but yeah, he goes into like this whole rant about how he likes to fucking kill people and then Wayne just bursts in. He's like, Oh, what well, well, no no no. This is my this is my camera, bitch. Like <laughs> can we move on? 
Yeah, there's a lot of random character actors or SNL people. Oh, yeah, definitely. But yes, we are just hanging out with everybody at the donut shop. And we meet both Garth Dream Girl, who is just a random buxom blonde woman that works at the donut shop. Who has one line in the movie. Garth's kind of side plot with her is that he's too timid and shy to approach her. Which, understandably so, because she looks like a supermodel and Garth is looks Garth. like Garth. But anyway. Yeah, Garth's so swing. <laughs> oh, yes. Swing. We get the swing at some point. We get a lot of catchphrases in this movie as well. Like, I have a list of catchphrases from this movie. Because She's a total babe. Swing. Yeah. Every time they see a pretty lady, they go swing. Because really... Especially at that time, like 80s, 90s SNL, which is when I was really watching it avidly. I don't really watch it avidly anymore. But I feel like a lot of their humor depended on recurring bits and catchphrase well, comedy. Yeah. Like that whole thing. Well, that you know? was that was all of them. That was that was them. That was Mad TV did the same fucking bullshit. Right. I feel like nowadays they don't really do that that much like i don't know any like recurring characters in modern day snl no the only ones that i that are recurring to me in my head are anybody who's on the news desk right right they had the nightclub guy who always shows up yeah uh stefan Stefan. (laughs) but along with garth's dream girl we also meet wayne's ex-girlfriend slash stalker Stacy, who is another kind of recurring bit character throughout the movie. Yeah, everybody tries to avoid looking at her. Yeah, every time she comes in, there's like almost like Jaws music. <laughs> like, she, she gets introduced by going up to Wayne and being like, hey, Wayne, it's our anniversary. And Wayne's like, no, we broke up two months ago, you psycho. And then she's like, here, I got you a present. It's a gun rack. <laughs> and Mike Myers just has a whole like long bit. I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. What am I going to do with a gun rack? And then, she, and then she goes, you better be careful, Wayne, because if you keep acting like this, you'll lose me. And he goes, I broke up with you two months ago. <laughs> but after the donut shop, we get uh, the whole crew going to this local nightclub called the Gas Works. And we're online to get into the club. And we get a random meatloaf cameo. There's nothing better than a random meatloaf cameo. We all love meatloaf. We like to put some ketchup on it. Eat no, it. I, I oh. mean the person. Oh, 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 oh sorry. Dear. Yeah. Oh, not not actual meatloaf. Now no. I, I kind of want meatloaf now. In the club, we get a, a bunch of metal bands playing, one of which being this band with a lead singer who is a sexy Asian woman named Cassandra, played by Tia Carrera, who Scott didn't recognize. She's been in a couple of movies here and there, but I recognize her because I I know her from her voice work. She played the big sister Nani in Lilo and Stitch. She does a great job in this movie. She, of course, is the love interest for Wayne Campbell. She plays the typical role in comedy movies like this where she is the way too hot girlfriend slash love interest of the kind of schlubby main character. (laughs) Also, something cool about her role in this movie, she does play the lead singer of a metal band 
And she, similarly to Leah Thompson in Howard the Duck, does all of her own vocals. And it's, I think she did a really good job. Oh, she did. She did a very good job. She had nothing but glowing remarks for Mike Myers in her little interview that we saw of her because she's like, if Mike Myers hadn't written this character to be Asian, they would have casted a buxom blonde, probably. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting that they wrote the character to be Asian to kind of fit in with this aesthetic of offbeat East Asian metal bands. Because, yeah, she's absolutely right. If that wasn't written specifically to be an Asian character, it would have probably been cast by some buxom blonde actress. Yeah, so this is playing off of Journey. The Journey lead singer left the band and they found a guy, I think on YouTube, a Filipino singer who could hit every note like he was the Journey lead singer. And they brought him in and he's been the Journey lead singer, I think, ever since. Oh, interesting. I actually didn't know that. But yeah, Tia Carrera is awesome. And Wayne immediately takes a shine to her. And we can tell because he looks at her and immediately falls in love. They just cut out everything else. And all Wayne can see is Cassandra. And he can only hear the song Dreamweaver over her. And then he proceeds to do, like, this is the one part of the movie where it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Cassandra gets off stage and kung fu fights. Oh, yeah. Some guy, like, spills a drink on her and she kung fu beats the shit out of him. And it's like, on one hand, I get it because you're like, oh, you want to show that she's a badass. Like, cool. But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, she's Asian, so she has to do kung fu. And it's like, okay, whatever. Like, if she had just broken the bottle on his head, I feel like I would have been fine with that. Like, she's just a badass. But, like, she's got a roundhouse kick and shit. I'm like, okay, come on, guys. So after that, Wayne attempts to flirt with her very awkwardly, which is supposed to be funny. But this, is, I think, is one of those moments where, like, oh, you're trying, but it's it's not really funny. No. It's just kind of awkward and weird. Yes. She's clearly very out of your league. But she does invite him to a party at her loft where her band is performing again. So he, he takes that as a win. <laughs> yes. Uh, and after she leaves... This is actually more creepy than I think it's meant to be. But he looks in the fourth wall and goes, she will be mine. Oh, well, that's okay. That's a bit because I didn't mention before, but earlier in the Bohemian Rhapsody scene when they're driving around, at one point they pull over in front of this music store and Wayne is admiring a very expensive Stratocaster guitar. And he looks at the camera and he goes, it will be mine. Oh, yes, it will be mine. And it's funny, haha, but then they bring it back for the thing with Cassandra and he looks at the camera and goes, she will be mine. Oh yes, she will be mine. And it's a little creepy, but it's mostly funny. They're bringing back the joke. It's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, ha <laughs> Women are objects. <laughs> well, as a woman, I wasn't that offended by it. No, it was it's funny. funny. <laughs> at one point though, Wayne is learning Cantonese in order to try to impress Cassandra. And... Garth is like, oh wow, you really, you really like this girl. Are you guys gonna get married? And <laughs> Wayne goes, Garth, marriage is punishment for shoplifting in some countries. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh my, my god. god, this whole bit was just like insanely stupidly funny. But 
after this, we kind of get the start of the actual plot of this movie. So Rob Lowe comes on the scene, our villain Benjamin, and he is accompanied by his little sidekick, Russell, who is another TV studio worker guy. And he's played by Kurt Fuller, which is important because... Guess what, guys? It's been a while, but we have a fucking actor who has been on Supernatural. Woo! Kurt Fuller's been in a ton of shit. Oh, yes. He's been in a ton of things, but he played the Archangel Zachariah on Supernatural, and he was a right asshole. You got daddy issues. You can't do it, right? Angel or not, I will stab you in your face. But in this movie, he plays basically Rob Lowe's butt boy, and they go to... Wayne's parents' basement where they are filming Wayne's World. They go to talk to Wayne and Garth about making the show for real. He explains that there's this sponsor by the name of Noah Vanderhoff who owns a shit ton of arcades in the area. He is played by Brian Doyle Murray who if you ever see this guy you're like oh it's that guy. He's been in a ton of comedy movies. He's actually, I didn't know this till I looked it up, but he's actually Bill Murray's brother. He's got a very distinct voice, though. Yes. If you don't recognize his face, you'll recognize his voice for sure. I am the Flying Dutchman. That's it. Squidward, this ship belongs to the Red Baron. But yeah, he does a great job. Benjamin says he's going to pay Wayne and Garth $5,000 each to do this show. And it's so weird. Okay, there are a couple weird things in this. At one point, <laughs> at one point, Rob Lowe is pitching them this whole idea to, you know, basically buy the show and do the show for real and everything. And he goes, we're going to make this show literally the best thing ever or something like that. And I like died because Rob Lowe's whole bit when he did his stint on Parks and Rec was he was like this over the top, super energetic nutcase basically yeah and (laughs) one of his little recurring bits was that he would say literally all the time (laughs) so i kind of had a moment there but the even weirder bit is that i made a connection between this movie and josie and the pussycats would you like to know my connection (laughs) okay uh, hit me okay so in the josie and the pussycats movie if you remember when we talked about that movie when the pussycats get pitched to get signed to a record label They're all sitting there and they rush off to the bathroom to talk in private, you know, and the pussycats are all like excited. And then one of them, Tara Reid pussycat, goes like, isn't it weird that they're just offering us a contract without even hearing a sing? Like, isn't that weird? And then the other ones are like, no, it's fine. And then they sign the contract. So in this movie, in Wayne's world, basically the same thing happens. Wayne is very much like into the idea. He's like, oh, okay, great. Where where do I sign immediately? And Garth kind of pulls the camera aside to have his own little fourth wall moment. And he says to the audience, like, don't you think it's weird that this guy just has a contract on hand and is ready to buy our show immediately. Like, isn't that weird? Huh? Okay. never mind. I guess we're doing this. And then they just sign there without relief and reading the contract, not having a lawyer look at it. No, we're good. They're in let's, between lawyers, Frankie. Oh yeah. Let, let, well, let's, let's do it. It's fine. Nothing can go wrong. Well, uh, it's funny cause, uh, they each get $5,000. So I had to look up what $5,000 in 1992 is about today it's only nine thousand two hundred and twenty three dollars huh 
seems like a, not that much money to sell your whole fucking brand away, but okay. It doesn't seem like that much money to do anything with. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But after this scene, Wayne and Garth are both very excited, and they go off to Cassandra's party to celebrate. Ben and Russell actually tag along, and Benjamin is immediately into Cassandra, which does not bode well for Wayne Campbell. Oh, no, no. But Wayne actually does end up meeting up with Cassandra, and they flirt, and they have a whole long bit with Wayne speaking Cantonese. Perfectly. Because it starts off with, oh, I only know a little bit of Cantonese. I only just started learning. And then they proceed to go into a full Cantonese conversation, which is very funny. Uh, they do have, like, a Godzilla moment where... Uh, Oh, yeah. Where they... Wayne says, like, one little thing, and it's the equivalent of four lines of dialogue. Yeah, that was kind of funny. And then they have another bit, too, where they're talking about the, the ex-girlfriend who's trying to make Wayne jealous while he's sitting here flirting with Tia Carrera. Honey, give up. <laughs> yeah, she falls through a skylight, too. Oh, my God. It's, it's oh, God, it's so fucking insane. But yeah, after this, Wayne and Cassandra start their little courtship. They start dating, and they're, they're cute. Yeah. But uh, after this, we go into Wayne and Garth and crew at the studio, and they're having their first rehearsal. And uh, there's there's some funny bits in here. They do a whole bit where Russell is teaching them how to count somebody in with like five, four, three, two, one. And they're like, wait, why don't you say the two and the one? And Russell's like, you just don't, okay? <laughs> and then they have a thing where they're, they're rehearsing, and there's this whole blue screen bit that's fucking hilarious. So the blue screen bit is Garf and Wayne are apparently traveling the world on, like, a blue screen. The first place they go to is New York, which Wayne proceeds to go... Oh, I have a gun. Let's go see a Broadway show. Because that's New York in a nutshell. <laughs> As New Yorkers, we can attest to that. That's basically what it is. No, I'm kidding. But, and then there's this other part of it. They go to all these iconic states, and then they go to Delaware. Or say you want to go to Texas. Howdy, partners. Let's raise and rope broncos. Or imagine being able to be magically whisked away to... Delaware. Hi. I'm in Delaware. Oh, poor Delaware. Uh, I'm sure you have nice things, Delaware. I'm sure. I've only driven through you a couple of times. I've never stopped. They have another kind of funny line here where Benjamin goes to Wayne and Garth and he's like, so how do you like the whole studio setup? And Garth, in his awkward tone of voice, he goes... It's like a new pair of underwear. At first, it's constrictive, but then it becomes a part of you. <laughs> Garth, very much like Tara Reid and Josie and the Pussycats, is immediately suspicious. He's seen as like the, the second banana throughout the movie, but really, he's got the wisdom now and again that even the main main character doesn't have. So, see, there, there are connections to be made to Josie and the Pussycats. So, are you saying Garf is Tara Reid? In this scenario, yes. So, if we did a female version of Wayne's World, Tara, Tara Reid would, would play be Garth. Garth. Yes, exactly. Who would play Wayne? Well, if we're comparing it to um, 
Josie and the Pussycats than Rachel Lee Cook. Mm. Because she's Josie. But the important thing is that Garth kind of calls out Benjamin as not being one of them. Meaning like he's fake as fuck and he's full of shit. Oh yeah, they have this conversation while they're playing hockey in the middle of the street in front of Wayne's house. And it's so funny because Garth comes out with the goalie mask and the glasses over the goalie mask. I'm like, that doesn't help you at all. Uh, But they have this thing that made this feel like it was a suburban thing. They're in the middle of the street and they go, car, and they pick up the goalie and walk off the street. I'm like, God, how many times I used to fucking do that? Like, oh, hey, we're playing ball on the street. Car! And everyone runs to the sides. Yeah. It was like, okay, that's a, that was a good little fucking moment to make this feel like a suburban neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. After this, Wayne and Garth are hanging out with Cassandra, and they're all hanging out together, and they go to the music store, and Wayne is there to buy his fucking Stratocaster with all of his money. He starts to play Stairway to Heaven and the guy, the the owner of the store is like, hey, look at that sign over there, buddy. Can't you read? And it says, no Stairway to Heaven. And Mike Myers just looks at the camera and he goes, no Stairway? Denied. (laughs) And then we get a bit with Garth playing the drums because he's he's a drummer which you have a thing about this right yeah it's funny because he has a whole bit where he does this crazy epic drum solo like Uh, he's in the fucking movie whiplash yeah and after it's over some random guy goes up to garth he's like whoa that was amazing and garth's like thanks i like to play (laughs) yeah in his soft little tone and it's funny but Scott immediately was like, oh, I wonder who did that for him. Oh, uh, you know, Dana Carvey didn't do that. And actually, <laughs> eggs on your face, because Dana Carvey did do the fucking epic drum solo. It was 36 seconds long, and uh, it was it was pretty fucking epic. So I give Dana Carvey all of the props for that, because I did not know that uh, okay. he could do that. <laughs> okay, Dana Carvey, you get a tick in the plus column, but they're still... Bad in the negative after all of Master of Disguise, so... Yeah, I mean, you're, you're still in the red, but we'll give you all this little this little moment to shine here, bro. Good job. <laughs> we cut back to the guys in the studio, and Benjamin's talking to them, and he's like, Hey, this guy Noah Vanderhoff, who is our sponsor here, we need to let him have a spot every week on the show where you, like, interview him, and he can talk about his arcade stuff and... yeah." promo his shit because you know he gave us money to do this show and that's business kids and wayne and garth are like nah we're not sellouts like that man this leads to the next (laughs) most famous part of this entire movie yes basically where the movie is making fun of product placement and it's it's fucking hilarious it is we will not bow the corporate sponsors as he's pulling pizza out of a pizza hut box yeah and we get nods to several different brands we get pizza hut we get doritos yeah we cut to garth at one point and he's wearing a whole reebok outfit with sneakers and jacket and all and hat it's hilarious and we get a close-up on mike myers and he's drinking a pepsi it's the choice of our generation glug, glug, glug. it's the choice of a new generation Ooh. 
But yeah, throughout the next few sequences in the movie, we get just some like funny stuff here and there sprinkled in with Benjamin trying to convince Wayne and Garth that they should have Noah Vanderhoff on the show. We get everybody at the donut shop hanging out. Cassandra and Wayne are getting closer. Garth is making eyes at his dream woman again. And we get a whole sequence with him lip syncing a song to her in this like dream sequence. Yes, he's a lip syncing. Foxy lady, Ooh. I'm coming to get you. There's one thing though with this movie. If I never, and I mean never, have to see Mike Myers and Dana Carvey pelvic frost again, <laughs> I will be a happy man. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, we get 1.2 where Wayne and Cassandra are having a, a romantic interlude. You know, they're in bed together and they're kissing and flirting and it's it's cute. And then right as they cut to the next scene, Wayne jumps on Cassandra in bed and they start making out. And we just get a, a subtitle at the bottom, gratuitous sex scene, as we move to the next scene. And Wayne turns around and looks at the camera he's like excellent and then they move on <laughs> he billeted it but oh my god before we move on from that scene we got to talk about wayne's mullet because the mullet is atrocious oh it's terrible <laughs> and it's hidden for most of the movie by a hat so you don't really know how atrocious it is but in this romantic interlude scene he's you know he's hanging out at home with his woman so he's not wearing the hat he's like flying free with his tidy whities and his fucking ugly ass oh mullet God. it's like ew how are you with him tia carrera uh. but let's quickly move on and forget about that because we have another scene where wayne garth and cassandra go to benjamin's place and he is clearly trying to get it in with Cassandra right out from under Wayne. And Garth has another one of his quiet little side moment with the camera. And he's like, isn't it weird how, <laughs> how this hot guy is flirting with this hot lady and Wayne is like unaffected and doesn't even realize it? <laughs> like he has all these books like how to pick up women, how to speak Cantonese. How yeah. to do this. And it's like, and this pad. Look at it, man. It's a bachelor pad. <laughs> if I had a sexy lady like Cassandra, I wouldn't bring her here. <laughs> Women can't resist the sexy bachelor pad. And it's made even more obvious that Benjamin is clearly trying to get with Cassandra because he tells Cassandra, hey, I want to film a music video for you and your band. And she's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And... At the same time, he goes to Wayne and Garth and is like, hey, I got you guys these backstage passes to go see Alice Cooper. You should go. Here, take the passes. It'll be awesome. And Wayne's like, well, what about Cassandra? And Benjamin's like, we have business to discuss. Sexy music here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He pulls out all the stops. He pulls out Cantonese as well, just like Wayne did. Wayne and Garth go to the Alice Cooper concert. Meanwhile, Benjamin gets some time alone with Cassandra. Ooh. But Wayne and Garth at the Alice Cooper concert elicits another really epic catchphrase from this movie, which is, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. 
Yeah. Because they meet Alice Cooper backstage, and Alice Cooper has a whole bit, which I totally forgot about. <laughs> about the city of Milwaukee, and... Yeah, it's like school time with Alice Cooper, and they're like having just this civilized conversation. It's funny because you see Alice Cooper's whole metal, crazy persona on stage, and then he's backstage, like, schoolhouse rocking it with the guys. Isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? Yes, Pete, it is. Actually, it's pronounced Miliwake. Which is Algonquin for the good land. I was not aware of that. And he's like, oh, why don't you gentlemen hang out with us tonight? And Wayne and Garth are like, oh, you, we hang out with you? <laughs> we suck. No, we can't. We're not worthy. It, it is a very good moment. And it, it's very fun because Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper generally seems like a nice guy. Like yeah. he seems like he's willing to be part of the joke. But before we actually even meet Alice Cooper, we actually do get another little cameo from uh, a, another SNL legend, Chris Farley, who plays the security guard. Oh, yes. And he's literally just here to exposit a little bit of information for our main characters for later. Yeah, he's apparently the security guard for a big record executive who is traveling around the Midwest looking for new acts to sign. And... Of course, Chris Farley's doing his whole movement and shit, and it's very funny. They walk away from Chris Farley and goes, that was a lot of weird information for that guy to have. I don't know what that has to do with us, but... Eh. They literally say this. They look at the camera, and it's like, it's almost like that guy was just here to tell us some information we might need later. <laughs> and it's like, wink, wink. <laughs> I like the meta shit in this movie. Yeah, well, it's all well because they're speaking to the camera, it's all fucking meta. Exactly. Like, I, I dig that. But this was around the time, I feel like, Scott, you were saying how quick-paced everything was going. Well, yeah, that's the one thing about this movie, that because the plot is kind of so simplistic, it it seems to go, like, you know what's going to happen, so it seems to go through the beats very quickly. Like, you see Rob Lowe falling in love with Cassandra, you you get to the point where they're going to break up and then Mike Myers is going to make this grand gesture. Right, but I feel like that's kind of typical for comedies to be more fast-paced and kind of just get to the yucks, you know? Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing for the movie. I'm just saying we're hitting the beats quickly and it's moving along at a quick pace. Yeah. Well, let's move right along then to the first recording of the Wayne's World TV show. Benjamin comes in and tells Wayne and Garth immediately that, hey, here we go, it's showtime. By the way, Vanderhoff's your first guest. Have fun. And Wayne and Garth are fucking pissed. But Wayne comes up with a clever little idea to kind of take the piss out of Vanderhoff. He takes these cue cards that Russell gave to him with questions on it for Vanderhoff. And on the back of the cue cards, he writes uh, little disparaging jokes like a little arrow pointing towards him saying i'm with sphincter boy or something like yeah. that so he just constantly yeah he's taking the piss out of vanderhoff and when they go to the commercial rob Lowe calls wayne up he goes you made fun of the sponsor this is where our characters are kind of at their lowest point benjamin fires wayne wayne's like fuck you this is my show and then benjamin's like well you sold the show to us you dumb fuck it's in your contract bye you sold the show to us for five thousand dollars so then wayne fucks off garth's left by himself and he freezes because he's you know he's a very shy little boy 
And he's pissed at Wayne for leaving him there. So they end up having a fight and they separate. And then Wayne goes to Cassandra to kind of cry on her shoulder. And Cassandra's like, oh, well, I'm going to Chicago with Benjamin to film my music video. And Wayne proceeds to accuse her uh, basically of fucking Benjamin to get a music video. Which, fuck you, you idiot. Like, shut up. Come on. Why do we always have to go to this fucking point? This beautiful awesome lady wants to be with you despite the fact that you are a mulleted loser who lives with his parents just shut up and thank your lucky stars <laughs> you could have just had this argument be he's a terrible person yeah but he's giving me my chance and i'm still gonna go and then they get into the fight about that and right yeah it didn't have to be like oh you're sleeping with benjamin We've established also that Cassandra, while she appreciates that Benjamin is helping her career and whatnot, she thinks he's a fucking cuck. Like, he tries to hit on her a couple times and she kind of rebuffs. So she's not even that kind of person. It's it's fucked up. But they fight and they separate and she goes off to Chicago. And Wayne is downtrodden he has a whole bit where he cries on the camera's shoulder meaning the audience he he breaks the fourth wall again laments about his situation to the camera and then he's like you know what i'm gonna go and and fix this thing i'm gonna make it right he goes down to the donut shop and immediately him and garth make up garth tells wayne you should go and get cassandra even though I don't have the balls to approach the donut woman, but you should go and have the balls to go get Cassandra. Not only that, but here we go with the 80s, 90s trope of let's hack into shit. Oh yeah, Garth is a hacker now, guys. Did you know that? This random metalhead dude who I would bet dollars to donuts didn't even go to fucking college. He's a hacker now. So they come up with this grand scheme. Wayne's thinking about how can I get Cassandra back and get Wayne's world back? Ah, I know. We're going to put on Wayne's world in my mom's basement like normal. And I'm going to get Cassandra and her band to perform. And then they think, oh, remember that random bit of information we got from Chris Farley's security guard earlier? There's that big record executive driving around looking for fucking new talent. So why don't we hack into this big wig executive's television that's in his limousine driving around and we'll hack into that, send the signal from Wayne's World to his television and we'll basically be giving Cassandra and her band an audition with this big wig executive. How fucking clever is that? And Garth is like, oh, I can do it. I can hack into this and send the signal here and do this. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay, this is where we're going? All right, hack the planet. That will be easy. So... Wayne, Garth, and all of their friends go into this uh, big fucking scheme that they're going to pull off here. And we cut to Wayne driving to go get Cassandra. Go get your woman, Wayne. (laughs) Meanwhile, she is with Benjamin shooting this music video. And it's like a jungle theme. And she's got this snake around her neck. Yeah, they pull up up Britney Spears. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. She doesn't like it. She's like, this snake is 500 fucking pounds. Like, can't I just sing my song? (laughs) Wayne pulls up to the 
video shoot confesses his love and they get a funny little bit where he's like over the top confessing his love and crying and dabbing water on his face to look like tears are running down his face yes and they uh put a little caption on it oscar Uh, bait oh as an oscar fan that is funny to me but he he tells cassandra i love you and I want to get you this audition with this big wig executive. We're rebooting Wayne's World. I need you to be on it. Please come with me. And she's like, fuck you, Wayne. Go home. He like sulks off back to the car. But then Rob Lowe is holding the snake and he tries to come on to Cassandra again. And he's like, oh, oh, eh, eh, ew. And she's like, is that you or the snake? And she turns around like horrified and she starts running. Wait, wait, I'm coming with you. So Cassandra goes back with Wayne and I guess they're back together now. Hooray, hurrah. And then we cut to Garth with all the crew guys and they're breaking into the TV studio to get their equipment back so they could put on the show. And as they're leaving, they get caught by Russell. And Russell is like, I can't let you do this. And they're like, but Russell... Don't you not want to be Rob Lowe's lackey anymore? He's like, no, Benjamin's my friend. (laughs) And Garth comes out with a funny line here. He's like, no. Benjamin is no one's friend. If Benjamin were an ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines and dick. (laughs) It's like, all right. (laughs) Eventually, Russell acquiesces and he's like, I'm going to be part of the crew now. I'm friends with you guys. And he goes with the crew and they go to get the equipment back to Wayne's mom's basement so they can put on a show. It's funny because this has been kind of progressing throughout the movie with Russell. Russell was very like straight laced. He was very much like Benjamin. And the more he started hanging out with the crew, he started like taking on some of their their mannerisms, their speeches. Yeah, he, he slowly but surely becomes one of them. So now we're basically at the ending sequence of the movie, which is quite a journey we go on oh yeah we cut to wayne's basement and they're basically rebooting wayne's world the good old-fashioned way in the good old-fashioned basement and cassandra's band performs and this is one of my favorite music moments of the movie if not my absolute favorite where cassandra and her band perform ballroom blitz this movie is the only reason why i know that song it's a great song. It is a good song. I have it on my Spotify. I, I like the song. I'm just saying this is my introduction to that song. They managed to hack their way into the record guy's fucking limousine and the recording executive sees cassandra and the band perform he immediately turns tail and rushes off to aurora illinois to meet cassandra and the band meanwhile benjamin is also making his way downtown driving fast towards aurora we see benjamin show up at the house along with the record guy and as soon as Tia Carrera is done performing and the show is over. 
the record guy goes up to Cassandra and is like, oh, you're a beautiful woman and you did a great job. But unfortunately, I just don't think this is the right time. I'm sorry. And he leaves. And then Cassandra turns around to Wayne and is like, you fucked up my career, you asshole. And she leaves. And then Ben is in the side like, Mwahaha. and then <laughs> and then the fucking ex-girlfriend of Wayne's from before she pops up and she's like, Wayne, I'm pregnant and it's yours. Ha ha. That's why I was acting so strangely. And then Wayne's fucking house burns down. And then you cut to Cassandra and Ben on the beach and they're together and they're fucking. And it's like, oh no. And then we got to get a record scratch moment. And Wayne goes, as if. <laughs> yeah, so in this nightmare scenario. Right. You learn then that it's all fake. It, it's all fake. I want to bring up why it makes zero sense for this to be the thing. <laughs> what this movie making no sense at points i can't believe it <laughs> because once they show the clip of the record executive getting the video feed of the band playing the limo he's in immediately like makes a sharp donut u-turn <laughs> and he drives to aurora illinois <laughs> to just tell her no <laughs> it makes zero sense for him to do that I mean, it's pretty obvious that they weren't going to end the movie like that. Wade even says so. Like, do you think after all this, we're just going to end the movie like that? (laughs) But I do want to mention Wayne and Garth enter the scene after the record scratch. And they're like, oh, let's do the Scooby-Doo ending. And then they do this bit that we've actually used on Shoot the Flick before when we've had little ad breaks in our show from time to time. In order to intro the ad break, we'll do the... This isn't an ad break. We're still here. <laughs> and that's that's what Wade and Garth do. That's what that's from. Yes. So they go to the quote-unquote Scooby-Doo ending next, which as a big fan of Scooby-Doo, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was, Scott did as well. It was quite funny. They have the record guy sign, Cassandra in the band. Benjamin's there being held by the cops. They go, who are you really? And they pull off Benjamin's face and it's old man Withers. <laughs> and the guy, this random old man's like, I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. <laughs> and then Garth and Wayne come back in the scene and they're like, oh, you know, I liked that, but maybe we should do the the mega happy ending now. And he's like, oh, I like that. And then they do the diddle diddle again. <laughs> and then it's the real ending, which is the record guy loves the band, signs them. Wayne and Cassandra confess their love to each other. Garth and the dream woman from the donut shop confess their love to each other. <laughs> and then Benjamin comes in and he's like, you know, I've learned a lesson that having the coolest stuff and a handsome face, it, it may get you most things, it may get you almost to the top, but it's not going to get you everything. And then Wayne and Garth come up and they're like, isn't it great that we're all better people? And then that's the movie at <laughs> the end. And then the end credits start. And Scott looks at me like, oh, that that's it? We're just ending it there? I'm like, yeah, what else do we need? <laughs> they come back. They do a little thing wrapping up Wayne's world. Yeah, over the end credits, they come in and they're like, you know, oh, hopefully you don't think the movie sucked. Ha 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 ha. And then at the very end, they come in again and they do like an awkward end bit. Where they're like, oh, so what's going to happen now? I don't think they tell us when to leave. And Wayne's like, oh, I think they're just going to finish the credits and then fade to black. And then they do just that. And all you hear is Garth's voice like, really? And Wayne's like, I told you so. And then that's it. (laughs) So that was Wayne's World, guys. Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. And yeah, it's a goofy fucking movie. It's 
got some humor that's still funny. It's got some humor that I feel like landed better probably in 1992 than it does now. It probably also would land a little better if you like knew the SNL sketch. I don't know. I mean, you didn't really no, I, I, I know don't. it that well, and you still thought it was funny. I, I think it could be funny without knowing the sketch. I, I think it, it is funny without knowing the sketch, but I also think maybe you would get some other things if you know the sketches. Right. You, you would get the characters more, I guess. Yeah. And I think there's definitely some 90s era humor in this some of it maybe doesn't hold up, but I think the majority of it is still really funny and holds up. But again, I do have a little bit of a bias because I have a nostalgic love for this movie going in. I gave this movie a three and a half out of five stars. Scott, what did you give this? Yeah, I'll give it a three and a half too. I'm probably closer to a 3.25. All right, but all right, that's fair. It's still very good. It's 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 got some humor. It's 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 a good fun shut your brain off comedy. It's nowhere near Blues Brothers, but that's another story. Oh, no, no. Blues Brothers is definitely the gold standard for SNL character movies, I would say. However, I I think that this is a great addition to that lexicon. I am kind of looking forward to watching the sequel at some point because I kind of want to know how much of that I remember. But we, we can't do that right now because next week is a very important week, Scott. It is. Oh, yes. It is the end of an era, 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 era. We are watching the very last Harry Potter film, Deathly Hallows Part 2. I'm not ready. (laughs) Well, you better get ready. I'm just not emotionally prepared. Well, you better get emotionally prepared. Oh, Scotty. Uh, Okay. I'll try to keep it together. But until then, this has been... Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check out our Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our party time, excellent movie adventure. Everyone's going to die. Swing! Wait, whoa! Wait, whoa!